In order to be the man, you have to beat the man. It's the Going Off Podcast, Rap Critic and Muse, styling, profiling, limousine riding, Lear Jet flying, mm. kiss stealing, mm. wheeling dealing, sons of guns. And you may Whoa. not like it, but you will learn <laughs> to love it. Because the Going Off Podcast is the best thing going today! Woo! Best thing going off! I'm clipping the mic so bad! (laughs) What a show we have this week! The Going Off Squad! Back in the back in the arena. Oh yeah, we fully (laughs) represented here, the Going Off Squad in full force. It's worth addressing at the very top of the show that um, what our plans were originally going to be. We were originally going to be reviewing the Barbie soundtrack in uh, support of the current writers and actors strike. Uh, we're not going to help support and promote the movie or or the soundtrack. I think that's the only uh, right thing to do. That does fucking suck for Margot Robbie, though. <laughs> like, she has to do it because it is her movie. It's like, all right, all right. But didn't she say on the campaign trail, she was just like, but I still stand in solidarity with the people that well, are good. like striking or whatever. Yeah. It's one of those like, I'm contractually obligated to do this or else they'll sue me. Fuck. But, you know? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But instead, we've got three album requested uh, reviews we're going to be doing this week from all over the map. I'm thinking we hit the the, the hip hop album first. Oh yeah. Then second we do the level eleven. Then we close it out with our main man Bowie. You know it's funny. A couple weeks ago, because I feel like we talk about Bowie at least once a month at this point. That <laughs> it's a season of our show at this point. Yeah. We did Bowie first because your rationale was he had the least criticism. So we had the least to probably say about it. And because it was like a listener requested, like submitted album that we wanted to like save for last. Cause you're just like, this album needs the most like feedback essentially. Mm. But I agree uh. with you completely on this one that I think Bowie is the main event. The rap album we've got is only 22 minutes. And I don't really yeah. know how much material we're going to have on that one. Unfortunately. And yeah, Miracle of Sound, it's definitely a mid-card, if I may continue the wrestling motif we've got going on here. But before we get into any of the reviews... That's right. I've got... Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to remind me what some... this is and what i got to look up. I have such sights to show you, yeah. Muse. <laughs> so I came across this trailer. This is a... Oh boy, guys are doing Try Not to Laugh Challenge, sleazy 70s trailer edition. Yay. I'm... I've just been coming across like 70s trailers and it's just so funny how they're cut, you know, because they're like, they don't expect anyone to ever watch these more than once. So they're <laughs> Look, where would you be watching this more than once? How could you unless you went to the movies right. <laughs> more than once and saw it as a coming attraction twice? 
Right. And so it's interesting to hear them like, you know, repeating things and saying things. Oh, man. And just the way they say certain things to get your attention. So I'm sending Muse now the trailer for Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. And I want you to watch this whole trailer and try not to laugh. I want. Okay. I wish we could do a visual podcast to see to see our buddy Muse's face with this ridiculous 70s trailer. Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, 1979. That's right, by Russ Meyer. Oh. Oh, the visionary. It's our boy, Russ Meyer? <laughs> oh my god, I had no idea. Of Mondo Topless fame? Oh, eight but one. Oh shit, okay. Uh, let me... You gotta see this trick. Yeah, let me turn it up here. Um... Not since our music video uh, that we found with, uh, what was the, the black dude uh, who did the R&B, but it looked like uh, uh, Star Wars or some shit, like... Oh my god, <laughs> that's right, that. Billy Ocean? <laughs> yes, not since that have I had such a find for the podcast this week. With the weird lizard planet. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, this motion picture was produced for a mature audience in excess of 18 years. Parental guidance oh, is recommended... Right. For those of a lesser age, are you serious? Mm. I'm not going to take a child to a Russ Meyer (laughs) flick, even if it is like under parental supervision. That's fucked. They are guaranteeing that you guys see this. Oh my (laughs) God. Stay home. (laughs) No, we're going to make excuses for people of every age. Please see this. Okay. We need to recoup our massive financial loss. Okay. Alright, alright, so try I, I, I defy you Uh-oh. Keep a straight face <laughs> Yeah I pressed, Keep a straight face I pressed start and I already heard trumpets And I already laughed The sleazy trumpets Okay, I'm starting it again Although, it's hard for me to start From scratch, because I'm already laughing Like Brett Myers, Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. Movie maker Russ Meyer, the rural Fellini, serves up a simple homey tale of Olympian togetherness, faith-healing, brow-busting humor, jogging, and hulking Herculean masculinity. Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, a motion picture born to entertainment, vibrant, spellbinding, and so hilariously funny. So hilariously funny! (laughs) An all-out assault on today's sexual mores and more. An end-around attack against women's lib, blasting through the male machismo syndrome, kicking the crap out of conditions, hang-ups, obsession, gag. Sexually aggressive females, willing klutzy men, petroleum jelly, gingham and gossamer, tax sheltered religion, black socks, bedroom prowess, black socks, artists, big breast fixations, rear window rednecks, therapeutic cuckolding, the 60 mile an hour zinger, born again immersion, unfaithful girlfriends, the kangaroo pouch, limp wristed dead, the kangaroo pouch, and virile garbage men. Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens, a cinematic smorgasbord of mind-boggling beauty. Yeah, gals like Yeah. and the very big blonde. Six of the very big blonde. Thank you. That's a name. Rush Meyer, beneath the valley of the Ultra Vixens. Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. 
Man, glorious, hilariously funny movie entertainment for adults. Strictly. <laughs> and funny movie entertainment for adults. And children, I guess. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. <laughs> I was in the middle of drinking some water and like I caught myself and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't swallow this because I'm trying so hard not to laugh. And then as soon as it said, an all out attack on women's lip, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't take it. The, oh, and we're getting a little politically incorrect. I was like, oh no, get out of here. I, I need to send you. The, uh, if you've never heard this, I, I need to hear your reaction to the intro to Russ Meyer's Mondo Topless, if you've never heard it before. What is this? Oh no! Because no, he it. does the exact same, like, type of introduction. <laughs> is it the same, like, sounds like George Carlin is introducing it sort of thing? He's talking over the top about this amazing film. <laughs> but he sounds so angry about tits. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> I just love the last part where it's like, you can tell he's been doing it for a while, and so they're telling him to do another take, so he's like, fuck it, I'll do a goofy take. Beneath the belly of the it's, it's like mocking us. Yeah! Oh god! Yeah, please. I, I need. I need to hear the audio over the phone of oh, the, no. the Mondo Topless. Too much for one man, Mondo Topless. San Francisco, a spumoni-like hodgepodge of wild architecture, harboring wonderful old-world restaurants and emporiums of pleasure, exploding from dusk to dawn with the way-out craze of the topless, formed and nurtured by staid and stolid San Francisco, and cut loose to rampage across the USA and even Europe. National publications such as Life, Playboy, and Esquire have documented the topless. <laughs> the topless. Documented the topless. And the mores of people everywhere. Mondo Topless captures the basic quintessence of the moment. <laughs> just chicks with, without, like, chicks without shirts on. And he's like treating it like, can you believe, viewers? You've never <laughs> seen this before in your entire life. It's a craze, a sweeping the globe. <laughs> oh my God. Movement, way out wild movement. Here, go-go girls in and out of their environment will be revealed to you in scenes that can only be summarized as a swinging tribute to unrestrained female anatomy. <laughs> unrestrained female anatomy. Unbelievable just barely describes all of <laughs> Unbelievable <laughs> barely describes. Uh, I just love this because it's like you 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 know why they're you know speaking so heightened at the time because it's like the 50s tits. Can you fucking believe we're about to show you tits? But it's just so like quaint now to be like, oh my god, tits. <laughs> yeah, th this is like I forget it. It's 1966. It's like, uh, it's right before the summer of love, and there's still right. a little bit of, like, innocence there, but San Francisco is the way out liberal town, and Russ Meyer is gonna show you how the craze of the topless is just taking the city by storm. The, the mores unloosened by time, you know, unrestrained by the... Like, it's one of those things where it's like, they're being... 
you know, subversive by like advertising for it. But at the same time, there's still kind of like, you know, depending on your, you know, uh, the titillation of, you know what I'm trying to say? Where it's like, what, what is it? Like they're trying to have it both ways where it's like, oh my God, can you believe something so scandalous? But you definitely want to check it out though, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, the way he describes it as like, it's a, it's challenging the mores of you the are, nation. <laughs> like, we are pushing yeah. the envelope, folks. You are not only witnessing a movie of women shaking their giant tits, but you are witnessing a moment in time where life right. and the country itself will change before your very eyes. This is the beginning of a new era. The country will be rocked to its core by naked boobies. You nor the country will ever be the same. Tits, you can't believe. And the thing about it is, like, I mean, is he wrong? I don't know. I, I need interviews of people who left Mondo Topless. It's like, were you shake? Were you shaken to your fucking foundation? What happened? <laughs> like, like, oh my god, they just let women be topless these days. Fantastic dances featuring the world's loveliest Buxotics. Buxotics? You've never dreamed there were women like these until now. But they're real. Ah, <laughs> they're real! Loveliest Buxotics. You've only dreamed there were women like these until now. But they're real. <laughs> Unbelievably real and mundo topless. Like it's almost like he's telling you a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> they're real. <laughs> From your deepest wet dreams. Delicious Dollar Paris. Yummy Diane Young. Exciting Donna X. And bouncy Babbitt Bardo. <laughs> and bouncing Bonnet Bardo. Consisting of sensitive comments and opinions by the very topless dancers wildly gyrating before your eyes. Wait, He's losing it. Bouncy Babbitt Bardo. Yes, for the very first time, you will hear actual on-the-spot recorded tapes consisting of sensitive comments and opinions by the very topless dancers wildly gyrating before your eyes. <laughs> I love it! Not only are you going to see their bodies, uh, you might also hear their opinions. <laughs> I remember this one clip, I don't think it's in the intro, but he, he introduces someone and just goes, I dare you to listen to a word she says. Like, <laughs> it'll be impossible. You won't understand Okay, someone had to edit that. Someone had to edit. Ah, can you believe the titties? Can you believe what they're gonna say? They're gonna say some wild up shit. And she's like, I can't find my bikini. I don't know what's happening. It's amazing. Holy fuck. Wow, wow, we walk. Folks, I came just now. You won't believe it. I came so fucking much. Ah. <laughs> All over them. <laughs> All over the recording studio. I feel bad for the producers. Oh, dropping loads. <laughs> Unbelievably real loads. <laughs> okay, let's... Do we want to get to the serious news of the day? <laughs> and, and move on from the Buxotics? I don't know how we possibly could, RC. <laughs> The oh, 
but yeah, you know, I think a spoonful of Fluxotics does make the medicine go down. And in this case, um, we haven't talked about, like, music news too much. We, we don't really do that too much. We basically just stick to the reviews, but... I don't think there's to any. The brass tacks. I don't think there's any ignoring uh, this one because it's a pretty big deal. I, I want to look up Jason Aldean because I know for a minute there, he was probably the most popular country singer. If I had to guess, he was probably one of the biggest names in country. Luke Combs. That's the other guy. Yeah. Luke <laughs> Combs is the current golden boy for sure. According to Wikipedia, his last album that came out in 2022. Um, peaked at number eight on the Billboard Hot 200. So wow. he's still doing pretty good. Um, I'm just trying to figure out what kind of move uh, this is. Because, yeah, Jason Aldean's new song, Tried in a Small Town. Um, I read about it yesterday. And this was before I had seen the music video or heard any of the song. I just read the lyrics and he was saying, I got a gun that my granddaddy gave me that the government wants to take from me. And I'd like to see them try it in a small town. And it's like, okay. For, for, for the, the ass kissing of the small town people acting like, oh, small town, you guys are so perfect. Unlike those hint, hint, New Yorkers. Yeah, in the small town, people are the good people. And I'm so fucking sick of it because you know there's some rich guy who's living in fucking uh, the nice parts of Nashville. Ain't, ain't seen no parts of the poverty of the people who, you know, he's trying to show this music off to. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, I, I'm just so sick of this type of shit. Because, like, I'm here, like, you know, like, country music used to actually be fucking rebellious and used to actually talk shit about the system and shit like that. But when I'm looking at these lyrics, this is such fucking ass backwards. The first thing I saw as soon as I see this lyric, let's fucking call it out. What does he say? Oh, sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at the red light. You know, he's kind of going like, oh, this is all the, uh, this is what's happening in those big cities. He's Look talking at all about the, the knockout game. Like, what the fuck are you the doing, Jason Aldean? Like, what year did he release this fucking song? The Knockout Game. <laughs> and, but just like, just the fact that he's like, oh, oh, because he's talking about that, like, oh, sucker punching a cop. Uh, we all know there's no petty crime in small cities. We all know there's no corruption uh, of, you know, small fiefdom governments where they know that, like, you know, no one's going to pay attention because it's a small town. And, oh, well, you're my cousin and you're just working with the business. So I'll just allow your people to have, you know, more of the da 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 da. Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't happen in a small town. I was like, get the fuck out of me. Like, I just hate this ass kissing and acting like all the corruption is just in the big cities and us small town people were all good and then like cuss out a cop he spit in his face you stomp on the flag and light it up this fucking early 2000s republican donking boys who's burning a flag bro who's burning a flag see here's the thing from looking at the music video which is the biggest tell like he might have been able to skew this but whoever made that music video dude <laughs> oh, they knew what his audience was. <laughs> All it is is like George Floyd protest footage. Oh my god. And it's all the same fucking footage you see of like we're we're just gonna show black crime. We're gonna show black people robbing stores. We're gonna show black people doing this and black people and it's like they know exactly what they're fucking doing. 
And it's the most yeah. offensive thing for Jason Aldean to, to then turn around and say, like, try to downplay this and say, you know, I've been accused of some pretty bad things, but, you know, that wasn't my intention. Uh, lighten a flag up. You think you're tough. What the fuck is this besides just bullshit posturing? Like exactly, like I said, and who is lighting up a flag? Like, is someone really like the type of person who is lighting up a flag is doing it to be like, you know, there's so much corruption, and it makes me sad that this is that this flag is supposed to stand for freedom, and that it, like the idea is that we're lighting up the flag to protest the injustices that are happening. So for these guys to take it as, oh, you think you're bigger than me by lighting up the flag? You think you're a bad guy? Well, well, light it up in front of me then, if you think you're so bad. And it's just like that's not even what people are trying. No one's trying to go. I bet you won't punch me if I light up this flag. No one is thinking that, you know, like. <laughs> It's very frustrating because at the end of the day, Jason Aldean is not the fucking person who's going to be carrying out the violence. He's pushing the buttons with people who will carry and out. going back to his mansion. Yeah, to <laughs> where he I'm doesn't saying? have to think about it ever again. He's cashing in on the current fear-mongering and the paranoia of these racist people who have just been brainwashed by media selling them the same thing over and over and over again. We talk about it on the um, on the Oni Detox podcast, just about how the main guy we talk about the most, his biggest fear is like home invasions. And he, he's always sharing That's these always videos. That's always how it is, yeah. He's always sharing these gas station videos. And it's like, yeah, if you're of that mindset to where you're looking at the news and the news is giving you nothing but black crime, you're going to assume that's all there is. That's so what the song sounds like. It, cause, Cause like I said, the first thing, talk about sucker punching, not gonna, I was like, what are you even talking about? Like that's not even near close to the big thing that should be on your mind that has happened this past year. You know what I mean? Like Flag burnings are not common. You, you happen to have a video of one and you were able to put it in the video. So it's like, well, that's all the evidence your fucking fan base is going to need. They saw the video. So now they're going to, oh, well, that must be happening everywhere. It's well, like, hold on. If you're trying to so be like, oh, about the people, what about, oh, hey, the fucking uh, checks that people didn't get. How about you bring that type of shit up? You know what I'm saying? If you actually really care about what the common man's going through, talk about the actual shit that they're going through. Hey, how about our government didn't help the people out? How come they didn't, uh, you know, uh, make the uh, w these vaccine tests available? I mean, not vaccine tests, but the, uh, the test for COVID. How come they didn't make those freely available to people? What How the about fuck? the benefits for they're... veterans? Aren't fucking country singers exactly. supposed to be big with the Where fucking is veterans? All of that talk? And everything? Yeah. And I'm not, and I don't know 100% if Jason Aldean, because I don't pay attention to this fucking hayseed all the time, but if, if, this is, if these are types of things that he talks about normally, then, you know, I'm ignorant and I'm wrong and I'm open to people correcting me. But looking at this video and it's just raw, raw liberal hate, I can't assume he's ever talking about those things because all of it would sound like socialism. Any sort of like help for the veterans or help for the like the lower class and the poor. That's just been relabeled socialism by people on the right. So you're not going to want to cheer that because your fan base is going to turn on you real quick. 
All the good, rugged individual people, all you guys need is blue jeans and your blonde-haired woman and your Bible and your truck, right? And your dirt roads. You don't need any, uh, you know, uh, monetary assistance and help with your opium addictions. No, no, because you're rugged individuals, right? All that government assistance, that's just... Welfare state, the nanny state. <laughs> that's just going to make you weak. Don't you deserve to, to live independent, free of the government's help? And it's like, Jason... How fucking out of touch are you? And this is why I was trying to think if he was on some downward slope, because I genuinely don't know how this is going to end up for him. And that's really why I kind of wanted to talk about it, because right now... Isn't CMT like they pulled the video? CMT's like... not showing the video, which, yeah. yeah, I mean, if this was maybe 15 years ago before YouTube, that might be a big deal. Right, I don't right. know how influential cmt really is in 2020 like the fact that the fact that the country radio station that has every reason to kind of allied over a thing like this is not alighting over it you know what i mean like that usually means something you know and i don't know how much airplay on the radio a song like this yeah. is really gonna get how often are you flipping through this, this are you flipping through the channels and a song that like pisses you off gets radio play it's all about the upbeat songs because radio is right, all about these days especially songs to be playing in the fucking office because where else are anyone listening to fm radio in 2023 yeah. and they're not listening to the songs on their phone they're going to be playing the upbeat songs maybe the sad songs but they're not going to be playing the oh my god i'm going to kill the fucking cops if they come into my town and try to take my guns <laughs> song like there's a very good reason why you didn't hear uh this is america on the radio either oh, yeah, if we could yeah. flip it around like true true that was a fucking huge hit online but the radio stations didn't want to touch it because it was fucking divisive radio stations yeah. aren't going to want to deal with a song like this especially not since uh cmt decided to pull the music video it's not worth the time and the effort trying to defend it. But if yeah. this was a guy who was on his way down and he wasn't still dropping pretty big albums, I would it would make more sense to me, like something like a, like a Ted Nugent or a Kid Rock would do, because they don't really have much to lose. Like, they've already peaked decades ago. What do they have to lose, except to maybe now grift and pander to a more extreme... Uh, fan base that you haven't really reached out to before but jason aldean i think is risking more than he's uh potentially gonna get back from this like it doesn't seem like a smart move business wise now if this has been something that's been burning up in him since 2020 uh and i'm guessing the Ge the george floyd protest because i think a lot of the footage in the video is from that if that fucking was like the beginning of the end for him mentally and this is just I can't fucking take it anymore. But like, you got to think of the repercussions something like this is going to have. And you know, when you look at a statement, again, it's so mealy mouth. It's like, he doesn't even fucking say it with his whole chest. No. It's like the type of shit that's like, 
like you're trying to have it both ways. You're trying to sig signal to your friends and not actually get the heat of what it would be. But it's like, it's so clear what it is. I've been accused of releasing a pro lynching song and was subject to the comparisons that I was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protests. They're saying that I wasn't pleased with those protests. Those, those references are not only meritless, but dangerous. There isn't one single uh, line that references race. And while I can try to respect uh, others' interpretations, this has gone too far. As many have pointed out, I was present at Route 91 where so many lost their lives, and our community recently suffered another heartbreaking tragedy. No one, including me, wants to continue to see Sinzo say, like, oh, you're saying that I wasn't pleased with the nationwide BLM program. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying I'm against what people want to do with BLM. I'm just saying that, well, I mean, those protesters might have gone too far. You know, it's like the sort of like, uh, what, what do you, what, say something specific. Give me a specific thing that you're talking about. You're just talking about, oh, well, you know, because the, the way he says it, it's the sort of middling sort of, oh, where so much happened, and I don't want to say which side I'm specifically on, but something happened, something happened. You know, like him and his family are extremely right wing. His wife is fucking terrible from the sounds of it. So this feels like his personal shit that is just spilling out now. But I don't know how much it's really going to help. But going back to the video, if he's saying, you know, there is not one line specifically. OK, like you need to read between the lines, though, especially when you watch the music video. You don't have to have it spelled out to you explicitly, word for word, when you see nothing but black people being violent in the video. When you see white women being, um, like, mouthing off to the cops. And it's all to, ha it's all to make you hate very specific groups of people. White liberal women, you're supposed to hate them. Black men, you're supposed to hate them because they're all violent and white women are just disrespectful and they hate men. And it's like that thing was like, all oh, these people are just angry at cops for no reason. They just they just woke up and they're like, mm, I'm living in a great country that has everything covered for me and everything is fine, but I, I'm too comfortable. I'm just gonna yell at a cop because I'm just so comfortable. I'm just, is that what happened, uh, Jason Aldean? Or was there a little bit, like that's what I'm talking about. It's like the way they just jump to, what, cops shouting at people? What's, cops are supposed to be the good guys, what? We all know that, right? Like, so look at this. Like, that's what I hate. It's like the fucking lack of balls. Like, they can't even make a specific statement. Like, I mean, it's either he, he wants to say something, but he can't fucking say it. Or, honestly, he's just a person like everyone else who's basically getting some parts of the picture. He knows he watches Fox because he thinks that's the, you know, morally neutral uh, uh, channel to watch. You know what I'm saying? Because that's what he grew up with. And so he's seeing all of these stories of the black people. And, and they're like, well, maybe if the liberals could just see how we feel when I, when I so, see this stuff, they, maybe they'll get on our side. They, they say we're not being racist but i'm not being racist but don't you see all those black people committing the crimes i mean come on don't you see it you know like that's i honestly feel like it's like at best this person's a useful idiot <laughs> at worst he's a coward who can't say what how he really feels you know what i'm saying yeah because when i first heard about this the first thing i was reminded about was oh maybe this is a misguided thing like that um what was that? Uh, incidental racist or whatever? Uh, accidental racist. <laughs> like, maybe it's something like that. But no, once you see the video, it's it, it's black and white. The Antifas are coming after you. Yeah. And how fucking old is this footage? Like, how far back did you have to go? That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you're showing this footage like it's happening everywhere all the time now. 
When how far back did you have to go for this footage? What is the context of the footage? Like he's specifically mentioning BLM protests. Like, like how often do these happen now? And question, question. Uh, any January 6th protest footage? No, of course there? not. Why would there be? Oh, oh, interest. Oh, what a coincidence. No, oh, there's no, no, so no. much, all this unrest and civil rest has happened. We need to just talk about it. We need to talk about how all these civil unrest. No, no one from our side, though. We're not going to talk about any of them. No, 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 no. But all of you guys are just going crazy. You know, it's like, oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> it's fucking disgusting. And I, I just... I think the biggest reason I wanted to talk about it was it's specifically one of the biggest names in country is putting this video out and you just know it's going to have a very wide reach. And that's what's so yeah. scary about the, it. The fallout of it. Yeah. The, the, the scary part is the implications is, you know, just because you're talking about your small town or whatever, and you're not being specific. There are plenty of people who do listen to your stuff that live in small towns and will be carrying out and will be inspired by what you're singing here. And it's just like extremely irresponsible. Like there's plenty of things you're not mentioning uh, by name, but there's plenty of things that are already going on in people's heads. Namely, and I don't know, maybe this is just a personal bias, but everyone's recent obsession with trans people. Like, you don't a mention like this them. is the theater of the argument for you to put on what you already wanted to feel about. Exactly. Well, like, what we all saw on the news. Yeah, that type of shit. Just yeah. because you're not mentioning trans people by name, there are people who listen to the song and hear, you know, try it in a small town, who are going to see things that they already hate in a small town, and this is going to be their fucking rallying cry. Like, I, I just wish that... <laughs> I don't know. There's so many things to be mad about, because not only is it irresponsible, but... It's not, I get, ir irresponsible is the wrong word, because irresponsible kind of implies an ignorance. They're like, well, I didn't know, but it seems very deliberate. It's incendiary. It, it's, yeah. it, you know what? It, it's incendiary, but like I said, without any fucking balls. Because, yeah. you know, he's not really making a declarative statement. He's just like, I I'm just saying, wrong time. It's like, no, but you know what you want to say, even you can't, but you know that you can't say it. That's the thing. Like, you motherfucker know you can't say exactly what you probably feel that you want to say or have the real gumption to say deep underneath that, oh, God damn it, why are these black? If they would just shut up, everything would be all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, they know they can't say that, so they have to say, say, well, if you already would assume that's what I'm saying, what I'm saying next is that we got to just stop all this, uh, uh, you know, upheaval that's happening, you know, like, yeah, it's that type of thing. I, I think it is very important that you mention the January 6th uh, thing, because, yeah, like, hold on. I just read this thing. It was from an article. The Aldeans' political views first entered the spotlight during the January 6th insurrection when Brittany Aldean shared an image alleging that two men who stormed the Capitol building were actually supporters of Antifa, a claim that was soon debunked. So, yeah, they're, they're deep, deep into the fucking Kool-Aid of oh, that yeah. shit. And so maybe, maybe it's my fault that I haven't exactly been paying this dude any attention, that I just had no idea about his personal politics, but... Just music-wise, I never cared for him, and he always kind of rubbed me the wrong way, so I wasn't really surprised when I saw this. I was Wait. like, yeah, okay, that hold makes on, sense. Hold, hold. Oh, okay, so, because I, 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 I was trying to make sure I got this right, because when he brings up Route 91, I was like, why is he saying that yeah. specifically? What's going on? That was the 
that was the actual shooting that had happened at the Harvest, Harvest Music Festival. Oh, okay. That, that is what I yeah. thought, but I didn't make that connection with what he'd said specifically. Yeah, and like I said, oh, and that's why the person who retweeted brought up is just like, okay, well, where's all the energy for, for that gun waving dude? How come no one's running up to the hotel and trying to take that guy? Oh, no, we yeah. just fucking jet, right? So, you know what I'm saying? It's like the sort of like, where's your fucking, uh, where's your politics? You know what I mean? Where's your uh, where's your gumption when it was all about that? Oh, you don't want to do it to this, uh, you know, <laughs> this guy who's an actual fucking threat who, who you can't see. You know what I'm saying? You actually have to go, oh, shit, maybe I do need... Uh, uh, someone who's trained in taking out uh, uh, crazy gunmen. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I can't just do this myself, you know? <laughs> it's like what you said about having it both ways. He can be, you know, pro-cop, pro-military, but if they were going to come down and confiscate guns, who do you think would be doing it? It would be the cops and the military. And then all of a sudden, what, you're going to be fucking standing there with a goddamn militia? Like... That's why you need to be specific with where you stand on these things, because you can't just, you know, blanket statement of just like, you know, I, you know, I, I respect and I, I respect this authoritarianism, honestly. And then be like, well, if it gets turned around on me, though, uh, then I guess me and my boys are going to be blasting like what? But, but you see, you see how it is. It's it's, you know, rules for thee and not for me. That, that's yeah. all this is. <laughs> So, fuck Jason Aldean. This shit's disgusting. I hope that this is the end of it. I hope we don't hear too much of it anymore. And honestly, I hope it tanks his career. That's just me personally. I, like, I'm not pro, quote-unquote, censorship, and I don't believe in, like, silencing Jason Aldean, but there has to be some sort of accountability. Yeah, I think when you get exposed for... You know, a certain thing. And it's like, oh, oh, that's your character. Oh, OK. Then I think that, you know, the people. Oh, I think the people owe them, you know, owe this person to be like, OK, how do we feel about that? Oh, are we going to keep supporting that? Is, that? is that cool? You know what I mean? Like, that's how I feel. You know, it's like, let the people decide. It's like, oh, oh now that we know, it's like, that's the type of person. You are. Hey, country, are y'all cool with that? Because uh, I I personally don't think that most country fans are racist douchebags who are fine no. with uh, dog whistles. No, I think that's a, honestly a minority of, pe of people that gets dog whistled to by, you know, a base that feels like they don't need to, uh, uh you know, like a certain type of base within the base that feels that they are protected. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and just in a certain way that like it happens with all things, right? Where it's just like, oh, yeah, they're, you know, allowed to get away with that because, uh, well, the institution is so that that um, not enough people are, are questioning the thing anyway. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like most people are just going about their lives. So like, eh, it's no big deal. But I feel like if you hit people to what's going on, you're like, hey, wait a minute. Is that OK? Wait, hold on a second. What exactly were you saying when you said that right there? What exactly the fuck does that mean? You know, if you just hit people to that, you know, I think people you know can think for themselves but yeah like and i'm gonna say this too i'm not a huge fan of when musicians i like put out like political statement songs anyway <laughs> even if i kind of agree with the message it, it always is just kind of embarrassing. Like, you still have to make a good song, and if you don't, then it just gotta feel... Like, it, it's the propaganda, right? Where it's just like, oh, you're just making, like, yes, yes, we know that's the right thing to say. All right, no, yeah. You yeah, know, like, like yeah. not everyone is Bruce Springsteen, you know? Like, <laughs> not everyone has their way with words and yeah. is really able to get it across the way that they want. Um, but yeah, I just hope radio stations don't play this. I hope other musicians 
speak out on this and don't approve of this. And yeah, I, I just hope it affects them financially and that they get the fucking hint. And if you want to go back to making your corny shit that has sold forever and done you fine up until now, that's fine. But this shit isn't it. And there just needs to be pushback on it. Mm. But it's still a really relatively new story, so I guess we'll just have to see uh, where it goes from here, because mm. now I'm going to be paying a fucking attention to Jason Aldean, which is not where I thought I was going to be yeah, going. Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? Fuck. <laughs> That's not how life should go. No! Yeah, let's talk about these albums. Let's, let's talk about it. Pro Dillinger. Wrestling, oh, oh yeah. And Sting versus Flair, <laughs> Clash of the Champions, RC, when we were talking about... When, when you said that we needed to do a rap album, I was pretty pleased to see that the next one in line just happened to be a wrestling-themed album. It's uh, interesting. Best of both worlds. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of in the same vein of like when we talk about uh, Zarface, we'll Zar do an yeah. wrestling reference in there. This one's a bit more heavy-handed with it because I think on Zarface's albums, you'd get a couple songs that have wrestling samples in them. Every song on here does. And maybe too much. Yeah, wasn't there a rock album that we listened to that ha was like this? Where it was like, you know what I'm saying? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Because it was the one, the hair match song. Where it was about like the guy who had to oh, get Oh, his... fucking Mountain Goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we've had, we've had a lot of wrestling themes albums. <laughs> But see, with the Mountain Goats, every song was about wrestling, was about either a right. wrestler or from the point of view of a wrestler. This yeah, album yeah. is very different in that uh. you've got two rappers who just kind of vaguely assume the personalities yeah. of Sting and Flair, but they just occasionally drop wrestling references and the rest of the songs are just kind of their normal... I feel like it's mostly, it's interesting, it's mostly the uh, the samples and stuff that are like the window dressing that make the songs what they are, yeah. you know, and it gives, it heightens things. So it's like, oh, at the end of the verse, he's like, and so-and-so came off the top rope, can you believe, you know, it's like the hype for the verse, you know, um, and I, I don't know about you, but I actually think it kind of worked for the most part. I, I liked it, like, I thought it was a cool, like, uh, uh, it was a solid project all the way through. Like, you know, it was only 21 minutes, nice, short, and sweet, a fun little concept in and out. And I think that, like, there was enough dynamics happening in those samples that made it fun from song to song. Because, like, it would be like, the, I, I love the intro where it's like, you know, you hear the guy who's going like, I want you gentlemen all to respect your professional athletes. I hope you respect the professionalism of what we're doing. And you're a smash cut. And someone going like, get the security and get him out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Get them out of here! So I just love how it just like it drops you into like that's right we're gonna have a good clean fight and it's like no that guy's breaking the rules and then oh no smash it like I love how it's like it actually really gives you it sets the scene and like oh there's one guy trying to do things the right way but who's this rogue <laughs> you know I think the, I think the sample clips might go on a little too long in some songs like, some songs yeah yeah where it's like half the song is sampled but I mean right I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not offended by that. I don't mind that. Like, it fucking pops me because I get it. Like, 
it's Eric Bischoff, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and <laughs> Mongo McMichaels talking in these clips. So it's like, oh shit, this is awesome. Like, I know what this is. I know what it's from. But yeah, I'm just yeah. like, I don't know if I need this long of clips. Like, it's almost longer than the verses themselves are sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, it definitely sets a scene, though. And now, I will say this is like off the off the front. So there's two rappers, it's Sting versus Flair, and the first rapper drops the F-bomb right Look, out of the gate. Can't, uh, uh, I was throwing my popcorn at the screen, I'm like, no, boo! I was like, so pissed. You, you, you're setting a bad example for the kids, boo! Not only <laughs> is it in the very first song, right? but the guy who's supposed to be Sting, you're gonna have the face? Dropping a homophobic <laughs> slur? Why would you do that? And so the real At least have Flair for, do it. Yeah, right. I'm like, well, now I'm definitely going for Mickey Diamonds. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell is that? And it doesn't happen again, luckily. No, it doesn't. This is one moment where it's just like, we just had to get this out of the way. You got had to get it out of your system, boys. Yeah, I was so disappointed by that. I was like, fuck, man, please don't let this be. Like, it soured my experience right from the start. Yeah. But luckily... Um, I did end up only enjoying it more and more over time. Like the first yeah. track I was kind of, you know, I, I was rocking with, but like the second and third track, I was like, okay. And then the yeah. rest of it, it was like, okay, now yeah, I'm yeah. fucking, now I'm with it. Like now you're fucking rocking with all cylinders. Right, right. I love the uh, the cage match joint where it just had a dope ass line with there. Like you know, when someone takes a, a Stevie Wonder line, like one level to the next thing, you know, we're in the moment where you're like, oh, that's actually pretty good. How we flipped it. We was like, yo, this motherfucker Stevie Wonder, he talking about keys, but he ain't seen shit. I'm like, okay, that was pretty good. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, that's very clever. <laughs> And then, uh, what it says, uh, oh yeah, we hit the ATM and throw it up like Bleemix. <laughs> There's like, a bunch of that shit, like, really clever. I love the sound of just the bounciness of the mat at certain points. Oh where my it just god, like, yeah. It just fit right in. Like, there would be certain points where they'd hit a certain punchline and you hear what sounded like someone hitting the mat. And so it'd be like, oh shit. <laughs> there are people on, on TikTok who pair old wrestling clips, usually, usually Lucha Libre stuff, like, very fast-paced, high-flying shit. I gotta watch some of that. With, like, mostly MF Doom and Ghostface, <laughs> like, that type of shit. That's like awesome. that That attitude in hip-hop. So it's uh -huh. like, I could easily see people just pairing these songs and clips of, like, between Sting and Flair that would be fucking great. It would fit really well. The song Stinger Splash... Um, which I was a little confused as to why they just, like, basically repeated a verse twice, but... Yeah, it was like, oh, run it back, but I was like, was that that great? I mean, alright. Yeah, like, <laughs> that much? You're gonna run that whole part back? Okay. Um, yeah. and, and I thought it was interesting, though, because, again, these samples, like, it feels like they're almost telling a story, because it's like, there's one part where, I, I think there's one song, The Stalin Profile, and that's like just the, you know, it's before the match, maybe the night before, we're all chilling out, you know, having some smokes, having some drinks, kicking it, you know what I'm saying, before the big match, and then the stinger splash, like, at the end of that song, there's like a part where you hear someone dropping to the mat, and then you hear someone say, oh, nobody's home, he launched the splash, but he missed, and it was like a, oh, shit. Did this song uh, fail to take out the champ? Like, oh. you know, so it felt like there was like a, a mini story happening. <laughs> There's a line also where he says, my hands got two rings like war games, which is so specific where it's a match where they have two wrestling rings side by side. So it's like, OK, like if you know wrestling, you appreciate it. Like Fatal 4-Way, 
is so chock full of very specific wrestling references that popped mm. me every single time. Step in the ring would be a mass transit incident. There was a match in ECW in the late 90s where this where this person was like, hey, I'm going to so fill in for a, a match <laughs> um, because someone's not here. I'm, I'm going to be on the card. And my gimmick is that I'm a bus driver because I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy and I'm like Ralph Crandon and they call me mass transit because I'm big. <laughs> he gets in the ring and he gets in the ring with New Jack. And if you look up New Jack, if you've never seen him. He's this New black Jack, dude whose his whole gimmick was just pissing off the white audiences with just being a loud, angry black guy. I didn't come up here to be light. I came up here to get paid. And whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to drop yeah, you down. Yeah. I'd like to send a yeah, special yeah. shout out to my homeboy, OJ Simpson. Keep up the good work, baby. Two less, we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the good work. <gasps> like, oh, shit. <laughs> Louis Farrakhan will be the next president. Snoop Dogg, we know you're innocent. You called me last night. So what's fucked up about New Jack is that he's also like kind of a piece of shit. So he's in this match with this guy and he's a bus driver. And the bus driver guy is like, hey, I don't want to do this spot in particular. And New Jack is like, oh, no, you don't. Okay. So he cuts him up real fucking bad. And he's like bleeding out. And come to find out, oh, this guy lied. He's only 16. He wasn't ever supposed to get in the ring. He lied to the promoters. So New Jack almost killed a 16-year-old who lied to the promoters to get in the ring. So he ended up trying to sue. But the promoters were like, dude, you fucking told us you were of age and you were, like, trained. You can't come back and say, you know... That you, like we lied to you, like you lied to us to get in there in the first Damn. place. Like that's totally up to you. So for them to reference mass transit incident specifically, it was wow. like, oh shit, they're fucking going deep with this. <laughs> I loved that. Uh, Monday night nitro. Monday, I mean, nitro. Monday nitro. Oh, incredible track! I love the ghost face killer sample again. These ghost face killer samples, whenever they just come out, I, I always pop for. I remember the inhale, break beats some hell. And there was one line where he goes like, oh, he says something about it. was like, looks like I controlled the weather the way that powder splash. And like, that was mm. just such an epic image moment. And then, oh yeah, and at the end, you just heard one of the announcers go like, oh man, he wants Flair in the worst way. <laughs> like, I was just so fucking hype off that track. What's really funny to me, and this is a very wrestling head specific thing to point out, but I, you just reminded me of it, so I can't help but say this. To if if you're gonna do a wrestling rivalry, Sting and Flair is pretty legendary. But if they're gonna be represented by two badass hardcore rapper dudes, Sting in the late '80s, early '90s was just face paint for like hero to the kids. What they refer to as a white meat baby face, just squeaky clean. So to be like, oh yeah, I'm Sting, like. I mean, Sting was kind of a punk. Like, he wasn't a badass. Like, yeah, he was good in the ring, but, like, he was never, like, like, a, like oh, that, that Sting's a bad motherfucker, you know? 
Like, maybe if you were talking late 90s where Sting's rolling around looking like the crow with a fucking baseball bat, maybe. <laughs> but specifically to be like, you know, Flair, his whole thing was, I've got money. I ha- I can have any woman I want. They even have that sample, like, I can have any woman <laughs> I want that I want. Because I'm the best looking wrestler. A ra- like, it's like, okay, I get that. A fucking wrestler, like a rapper comparing themselves to Flair? makes perfect sense because his whole thing is very you know women cars money lavish lavish lifestyle and he could also kick your ass but sting's gimmick in the late 80s was like i'm a surfer and i go ow it's like what (laughs) i'm sorry wow (laughs) but i love the album cover though where it's like the cover's great (laughs) yeah you can tell it so has that in the middle of the moment, let me tell you one thing, brother. <laughs> I was looking, I was trying to find the promo that was from, and I couldn't find it, but I was so curious. I was like, I need the reference point for this. Overall, though, I uh, I still ended up walking away with a four and a half. I thought this was a really ah. solid project. I gave it a five. I think it's, Damn. I, I thought it was solid all the way. I think I, I had a, I think it was a solid enough just all the way listen where it's just like, oh, this actually this took me from one song to the next and I didn't feel like I got bored or or like there was really any like big downtime. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there yeah. wasn't really much in between time for sure, especially because the samples just kind of bleed into the next song really nice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, b- before we move on, that last uh, album was requested by Mick Swagburger XL. Want to give him a shout out real quick before we move on to Miracle of Sound and the album uh, Level 11 requested by Kyle Summers. <sighs> so. <laughs> the, the sigh. <laughs> So I looked up Miracle of Sound on Wikipedia and immediately recognized the picture of the guy. I didn't know his name, but I was like, I've seen that guy before, um, Gavin Dunn. And I didn't know where I knew him from until I read that it was a video game composer. And it Mm -hmm. all clicked. Yeah. (laughs) It all suddenly (laughs) fell into place. And I'm not necessarily saying that's a good or a bad thing. But I'm just saying it fit. Um, yes, very much so. The, the like, replicating the epicness of a certain sound, oh you know. Oh, boy. We yeah. just did the, <laughs> right. what was it? Guilty Gear uh, Strive yeah. soundtrack. And that one, I was like, you know, this one, it's not hokey, like uh, Crush 40 type deal. This mm. is kind of more along the line of the Crush 40 deal for yeah, me. a little bit of Hoke in it. There's a little bit of Hoke in it. <laughs> it's a little bit of Hoke. And also, I don't like to throw this word around, but I honestly couldn't think of a better word to describe it. Just kind of pretentious in a way. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> it's super over the top it's, and bombastic, but then you listen to it and it's like, what the fuck is it saying, though? Uh, like, I just got melodramatic. It was very okay. melodramatic. Yeah. yeah. Where it's like, because it, it's, it's very much like, this is what good epic music is supposed to sound like. It's mm. supposed to go like this. You know what I mean? Where it's like, this is the respectable epic music. And it's like, you know, at the same time, what what's it, what's it really communicating from track to track other than... Isn't it still epic, you know? It's like Hans Zimmer soundtrack score, right. like big fucking Avengers fight scene score. <laughs> Except it's every scene. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
But now I will say it, it didn't start off too bad with Beyond These Walls. It had the nice little, you know, uh, you know, Egyptian sort of instrumentation mixed with the rock sort of sound. So I thought that was a cool opener. Um, I think like I think they vary it enough from like from track to track with the with the specific inspirations from sounds because uh, it's like I, like I don't necessarily feel like every track is the same but it feels like it's the same like scale you know what I mean like yeah I can see that yeah like I did like Valhalla calling I thought that was different enough from the first track which is like it feels more like the the dirge of the marching Scandinavian soldiers or something like that I thought that was cool um but then uh, I think when honor dies was the first one that like immediately had me having that feel that that I had with that uh, other video game album where it's like when everything is epic nothing feels epic anymore you know like I was less impressed by the like you had said, like Egypt or like India inspired, like behind beyond these walls, because it's like this is an Irish dude, and yeah, I was like, trying to figure that out. I was like, wait, <laughs> him doing these like far off land sounding songs, like they definitely sounded like a song from like an like an Assassin's Creed type deal, right? Right, emulating the sound, yeah, that sort of deal, yeah. Yeah, it was like without really understanding or like an appreciation for the culture or ever. It's like, oh yeah, this is a nice color I used in this painting. It's like, oh, okay, I don't know right, right. why you needed to do that. But there are songs that are like more Celtic, and I guess that I, re- felt I did more like those authentic. I guess. Yeah. Um, for me, I really like the, the later one. Uh, and I also really like City of Night. The, I'm a ghost in the city, the ghost in the city at night. Like, that legit had that 80s bubblegum crisis, Tokyo 24, let's go vibe. Like, I was thinking that shit. Um, I liked the then, synth to that. It was definitely different than the other songs. Yeah. And then Lilac and Violet. Okay, so... This, it, it, I feel like I'm, we're listening to like a sequel album to what we did last time because mm. literally there's the female vocalist that only shows up for two tracks and you know what I mean and it's like she's really great on this song I absolutely love Lilac and Violet um, but then the later song that she shows up in feels like the melodramatic uh, we tipped over uh, too, we put too much evanescence in here and now it's too melodramatic it's too soap opera-y you know it, it's too, you know that sanctified song? I'm sanctified to my savior. It's like a sort of Baroque pop sort sounding thing where it's like mm-hmm. you, you, you've got to hit a golden ratio for, for that type of thing where that it doesn't sound like you said, either pretentious or melodramatic, but it's just melodramatic enough where that it hits that anthemic feel, you know? And I feel like for, uh, for the, um, for the lilac and, uh, the lilac joint, I feel like that one hit it really hard, but for the one where she comes back, it felt like it just tipped it t- just slightly too over, where I was like, I don't, you, you know when you get that feeling when you're, like, listening to a song that's really cheesy and you, like, kind of don't want anyone to walk in on you listening to it, because <laughs> you're like, no, no, I don't identify with this, I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? See, I think... <laughs> I don't think this is cool. <laughs> The album hit me in a different way, and I did want to point out a couple things in particular because something happened twice that definitely made me laugh. Like, for example, in City of Night, I wrote down, didn't hold my interest for very long, really wish Dude would have got a different singer for this um, one-man band. And then the very next song started, and I wrote, oh, he listened. And then later, (laughs) 
on Through Life and Loss featuring Charm, I wrote, Honestly, the best song so far, the only change I would make mm. is to get Gavin off the song altogether. And then When Forever Comes featuring Charm starts, and I go, oh, he listened, because that's the nah. one he's not on at all. And for me, for my money, like I had said, up until that point, um, just uh, through life and loss, I thought that was the first time the album really fucking started to kick it into high gear for me. But mm. then When Forever Comes featuring Charm, I thought that was the best song on the whole thing. Really? Yeah. So, so that, that was weird because artist. I, I felt like through life and loss was when it got too melodramatic for me, where it felt too mm. musical theatery. And then when Forever Comes came in, I was like, okay, this is solid enough, middle of the road, you know, ballad for the graduation ceremony. But like, <laughs> I feel like I'm not listening to it outside of that, you know? Like, I thought it was a beautiful song. I really liked the musicality. I, I get it, you though. I get and it. And charm yeah. on there. I I was wrong though because the because what I wrote down is. I hate that it's about to be ruined by Gavin's hard rock bullshit on the next track. And then rest your head started. And are like, oh, I was wrong. Now the album decides it wants to be dope. Yeah, he's listening to you. Yeah. Because then like, rest your head was good too. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. And here's the thing. Okay. So for me, I'm always like, ah, you never want to put two, you know, slower, you know, softer songs in a row because yeah. it kind of feels like, yeah. But it was a weird thing where I was listening to this. I was like, wait, you know, it was like two slow songs in a row. I feel like uh, this is making me a bit more tired than I think he's intending. And then, I, But then I had a moment where I was like, I don't know, maybe this is exactly what he wants because like his voice sounds like it's trying to lull you to sleep. Like it's so warm <laughs> and inviting. Like it's just like, rest that weary head. I was like, oh, God. okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you say so, Gav. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Although on um, another note I have written down on through life and loss was just looked ahead and this fucking prick had the nerve to do a nine minute fucking song. Oh man. Although I will say I did fucking love that song. No way. <laughs> oh, you are feeling it. No. <laughs> no, for me, for me, I was like, I did not feel the length of it. Like just a little bit, no. but in the sense of like, I was actually like, along for the ride of what each verse was saying. So it was like the detail of it was just so weirdly intricate and intimate that I was like, okay, where are you going with this? It's like, it's basically a, a fucking, an Irish, uh, uh, what, what's that Keanu Reeves movie? Uh, an Irish John Wick, where it's like, these bastards killed my dog and I'm out for revenge. <laughs> like, I hate to say it, but as soon as he started singing Irish, I was like, Fuck, get oh, out of <laughs> I was like, oh. I was not sticking around for much longer, honestly. I hate to admit it, but I did not stick around for all nine minutes. I couldn't. <laughs> I think yeah, I made it about I halfway mean, through and I was like, fuck this. I mean, I will be honest with you. It's not like, yeah, it's not like it like builds. Like that's the thing with the story. It kind of just like the story just keeps happening. It doesn't go like, oh, that plot detail was important because now we're talking about this and that involved. Like, yeah, it doesn't really feel like it actually you know, feels like a, a mounting story, but it is just interesting what the details are, you know, like the random thing about like, and he stayed with this woman, even though he cheated on her every day. And it's like, what, what? <laughs> like, you know, it's just the details are so weirdly intricate, but yeah, it doesn't, it's not, I wouldn't exactly be like, no, no, you gotta go back. You missed where it went. Like, nah, it didn't exactly like, oh, it all came together. It was I just didn't get like, the impression that I was missing much. <laughs> I did think the album ended on a very strong note with a long ear. 
Now, see, I, I did like this song. Like, I thought it was a solid song, but it was like the last song is such an epic, you know, feels like the barn burner ending thing that it was just like a, I don't know. I feel like this is like credits music at this point. Like, we're like, it's been a long year. Dude, it's been a long album. Like, you just hit us with a nine minute track and, and you're like, wait, guys, where are you going? I had one more. Like, are you serious? <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I think maybe this should have went earlier. And maybe you end with a nine-minute fucking epic. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. But I think the soft, sincere, sweet song to end an album is always a pretty smart move. That's true. Ending on a very kind of more of a touching note. And this was just one of those like, hey, you know, things are rough, but you'll get through it kind of song. And I was like, you know what? Maybe it's just because I really needed this. Because I've been going through it lately. Um, that I needed a song like this, but yeah, I thought it ended um pretty strong. I just wish the first half grabbed me. And uh ultimately I walked away with a three. Oh, I gave it a four. Mm. I and and I think like that's purely because of the musicianship that's kind of on display on this album. Like I yeah. can't deny that. Right. But at the same time, like, yeah, uh, competency only goes so far in terms of replayability after a certain point. Right. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and Gavin and his like kind of bland, monotone singing kind of lost my interest because his like Gregorian chant singing that he does is just like, all right, you got it. Well, this is what epic music sounds like. That sort of feel. Yeah, it's funny. Like, I didn't like when he did that, but then when he actually tried to, like, sing, sing, and hit notes, I was like, oh, this is, this is worse, actually. <laughs> yeah, man, see, I was just about to say, I was like, I don't know, because I, I kind of like the, like, especially in the second track, where it's like, dirge, you know, the soul just dirge, Ugh. but the dum 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 I was like, so I bored that was by cool, that song. Because, like you said, when he goes up and tries to, you know, uh, get his prints on, then it's kind of like a, I don't know if I want this. It is <laughs> like, less convincing, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But from there, we've only got one more place to go, and it's your boy. It's David oh. Bowie. Yeah, know him, you love him. Look, look. <laughs> I was very excited. And I love Bowie, and I'm happy to review any of Bowie albums for sure. But when Dr. Goatman came through and continued the chronological order down the catalog and requested night requested Young Americans. <laughs> this was my okay. I need to hear what RC had to say about this one. Because that is all that was on my mind. Because I gotta admit hmm. I gotta admit, this is not an album of Bowie's that I revisit much, but mm. I gotta say, upon giving it my undivided attention, this album fucking smashes. So, RC, uh. what, what, did, uh, what did you think about it? Bowie's attempt at Blue-Eyed Soul. So. The Thin White Duke. Oh, is this the period? Is that where we're at now? Yep. Oh, okay, we're here. We are ah, here. This is the Thin White Duke. We got a taste ah, yes. of it on Diamond Dogs, and now we are waist deep in Thin White Duke. The Aladdin Sane, that joint with the really glissando piano. Oh, maybe. Was that, 
Because it's like, this feels like the, the refined gentleman. But hold on a second. What's that? What's that black gospel choir in the background? What they doing there? Hold on a second. Look, can I tell you? So this is such an interesting album because I believe this is the first time he's really used the black gospel choir that I feel like a lot of, you know, 70s and 80s musicians kind of did to do the, hey, this has got to be a respectable song. Listen to the, you know, the, the black choir that's, you know, coming straight from the 50s to give some, you know, a shellac of respectability to this joint, you know what we I mean? We heard the um, black background singers on um, Panic in Detroit. Yeah, maybe Latin like one Sink. or two joints. But here, I feel like they're a genuine, like, piece of the band. Like, they are yeah. an irreplaceable color of how this album comes out. And it's so fascinating, because what did you say? This is, this is his, like, Blue-Eyed Soul album. And it's like, I so got that, but it's more than that and it's so weird but i will have to say it didn't hit every pitch that i wanted it to get hit as the second half of the album got uh kicking off and we'll get into it because it's like okay so the first track l l let's just dive into it first track we got young americans uh, okay I, I just i could see the record labels just going into them and being like bowie look we know that you're the spaceman, okay? We know we know that you got that on lock, all right? We know that you, you know what I'm saying? You're bringing people to the concepts of outer space and we are still selling uh, platinum records and you can still do it. But, Bubby, baby, we need some hit songs. <laughs> I know you can make them. <laughs> so, we gave you two albums where you could be the spaceman, whatever. Give us these hits, man. And he was like, you know, uh, after this next chore, I think I could probably come up with something. <laughs> that's what this feels like with Young Americans. This is the fucking, oh, you want Yacht Rock? You want the black uh, chorus sort of thing? Okay, let's fucking turn this up to 11 and show you how we do this shit uh, on, on Bowie's side of things, you know? <laughs> the two things I've heard about this album... And I'm not sure if either of these are right, but one of them was that, like, this was specifically kind of like what we talked about on um, the D.D. King album, where it was like, I really got into hip hop and I really wanted to make a hip hop album. Bowie was, mm. like, suddenly struck by this inspiration of just, like, the American soul sound, and he just was so touched by it that he really wanted to try his hand at it, and that's what we got here. And the other thing I remember hearing is that he doesn't remember making this album. <laughs> because this is also the period when he got really, 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 uh, really into drugs. <laughs> so, okay, so can I just say this sounds way less weird than I thought it was going to be? Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when like you he hear that. And he's just like, hold on, what are those uh, black Americans doing? That sounds pretty ripping, hold on. <laughs> yeah, in that way, it kind of reminds me of um, Remain in Light, the Talking Heads album, where like, they got the world beat going on in the background because yeah. David was like oh, so... that's totally what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was thinking like, well, wait, that's it. So I'm already going... 1975 was when this album came out. What? Yeah, again. Get the again. Fuck out of it. How is it? We've got like seven albums and this man, and we're not even halfway through this decade. I, I don't understand it. And he already sounds like a decade and a half later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is madness, people. 
He's got Luther Vandross singing on the oh, songs in the background. That was so interesting because the weird thing about it is it didn't come out the way I think he was trying to make it come out, at least from what, how I was hearing it. But it was so its own thing that I'm like, I don't know what to give it other than, yeah, like plastic, uh, what is it? Plastic R&B sort of mm. feel, you know, where it's like, cause it definitely, it's like I said, the same thing with Remain in Light where it's like, he's doing a world music thing, but it's so his particular thing that it doesn't feel like it's he's ripping it off. It feels like he's enhancing it with his type of weirdness. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like, it's exactly like where you feel like, you know, a less musician would be like, oh, this guy's just hopping on the, get a bunch of black artists uh, in the background and now you're respectable, you made a respectable album. But no, with this, it feels like he's like pulling things into a new place because first of all, just with the, the first song, it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's all about the young American, young American. And at first it just feels like it's about, you know, yeah, the 1950s, oh, young Americans, and da, da, da. And then like later on, he kind of gets into the shit where it's like, have you ever been the un-American? Uh, just you and your idols singing falsetto about leather, leather everywhere and not a myth left from the ghetto? Well, you know what I'm saying? So he starts getting into the shit where you're like, oh, oh, wait a minute, he's not letting you off the hook. Hold on. He's <laughs> like, oh, I see you Americans. Uh, I see the way you treat your lessons, <laughs> you know? Right, so, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, and so it was just like track one. We've got the pop song that's fucking banging, but Oof. then we got the, he's not gonna let you fucking get away without a little bit of social commentary for that ass. Although it's interesting, I looked it up, it's like, oh, apparently this song's about a newlywed couple that don't really know if they like each other. I was like, that, that's not what I got from this song. <laughs> yeah, like maybe I, the first verse? Yeah, I but thought he, he was. about it a little bit. Yeah, I thought he was thoroughly dressing down like Americans. Uh, like. Oh yeah, I mean, but by the end of it, it, it definitely gets you know it talks about more than just the like the first verse is talking about this couple and it's like either he's just like am I am I too young and it's like oh this guy's getting laid or whatever and he's kind of unsure about whether or not he's ready for this and but then it like either it goes way too quick or something that's what i got from it and then she's kind of like unsatisfied with it but like that's just a little taste because then by the second verse it's like i'm driving by homeless people in my mustang and it's yeah. like wait a minute what's happening here like what are you talking about <laughs> this is not where we were just a couple minutes ago yeah, yeah, and then the, you ain't a pimp, you ain't a hustler, a pimp's got a caddy, and a lady's got a Chrysler, black's got respect, and the white's got his soul train, I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, this is such a scattershot lyric, <laughs> so like, he's all fucking over the place in this song, but like, yeah. the, by the middle where he's just, do you remember, you're President Nixon, like, he's still president. Yeah, <laughs> Like, it's only 74, 75. I'm like, hey, hey, British man, okay? I, I don't know about your British politics, but but hey, all right? You don't got to get all on us, okay? <laughs> I, I'm going to go look up some British politics right now just to have something to say back to you. Hold on. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to dress down the queen here in a minute, Bowie. Hey, yeah, yeah. You, that's, that's you just wait. <laughs> Oh man. Do you remember Queen Elizabeth? She just died a year ago. Yes, I do. <laughs> what was that all about, huh? Why, why'd you have her for all those decades? I thought you guys were supposed to be better than us or something. 
Anyway, we still have a queen for reasons you couldn't really explain. All right. Uh, oh, you need her for touring and t t taxes or whatever, mm. right? So that people go see the Buckingham right. Palace. And they'd be like, how can I believe that this is actual British monuments unless there's old person there? Uh, <laughs> we needed the old person to be there. Anyway, no, when, you, right. when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> anyway, then we get when, which... Um, you know, I, I get uh, with this one. I was like, okay, we're just cooling out in the, in this new David Bowie sound. Like, mm. it, it, we got the splashy sax, we got the the new color of the black choir. You know, kicking in the background. But like, I, they feel like an integral part of the songs. That's what's really yeah. cool. They never just feel like they're just oh, here comes the hook, and then it always feels like they're just doing something a little in the verses or something like that. Like, they never just feel like they're just there. You know, um, there are the points I, I forgot that like especially on like young americans where like they're still just singing in the background while he's singing over them and it sounds like super hectic there's yeah. parts where they kind of have that little back and forth there's a part right. in, in particular it's so cool where, where the background singers quote that uh quote the beatles song and just go i read the news today oh boy and it's not like related to anything but then bowie yeah. just kind of like like, you, you kind of get the feeling that Bowie just kind of looks over and he's just like, huh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. he's kind of acknowledging what's going on and he's just grooving with it. And I didn't reference yeah. it or acknowledge it, but the fucking ain't no one damn song that can make me break down and cry. That is on the same <laughs> level of well-deserved iconic breakdowns as Wham Bam, oh, Thank sure. You Ma'am from Suffragette <laughs> City. Like when <laughs> everything just drops out and he just For says sure. that. And then, then the, the, the drums just doom, 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 doom. They just come back in. It's like, yeah. <laughs> For sure. Like everyone just kind of stops and looks at him like, yeah, right, dude? Uh, you good? <laughs> All right, let's go. Bring it back in. <laughs> yeah, that song is um, the shit. What is on a whole different level of like the first when the first note I have written down is just what? Because <laughs> the song just washes the fuck over me. Huh. It's got this ethereal synth instrumentation, and Bowie's vocals are just like the slightly warbled effect, and it's just Ooh. so hypnotic in a way. It's very like almost psychedelic. Yeah, well, it's, the thing about it, it's like a, it's like a distinguished brown tone psychedelic, you know, mm. it's like, it's weird, it's like, it's, it's weird, but it's not too weird, it's like refined, it's so strange, because it's like, there's a controlledness to this that doesn't feel as wild and out there as I feel like, the, the previous sort of spaceman shit that he does, but it feels like he took the, the, uh, not the aesthetics, but the, the tools of like blending the sounds and stuff like that and is applying it to this R&B feel. That's what it feels like. You know what I'm saying? Like, so the way he would be blending synths and doing all that weird stuff, he's not doing it with the synth as much as he's doing it with the people's voices. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And so like, that's what I'm hearing. And so it's kind of like, oh, you're moving to this new, like you didn't move up, you moved to the left, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Um, then there's fascination. Uh, oh man, fascination. This is, 
this is the one that's written with uh, uh yeah that was written uh, by a young luther vandross apparently the instrumental was uh, uh originally by vandross called funky music and it was played before uh, one of bowie's concerts in 1974 and he was like hey that's just kind of fucking fresh <laughs> oh shit okay that, that that's cool just like incorporate that i, I want to write a fucking song on that yeah, I love that. And yeah, this is this is what they call it, plastic soul. And it's mm, sort of okay. like this weird thing. It's like, I get it because it's like, you know what I mean, right? Where it's like, it's emulating, but it's not imitating it, you know? Like, it's it's so interesting. And man, these grooves are so fucking keyed in with the bass line. Oh my God. Uh, like, yo, it is. It, oh my God. And the hook that takes a part of me. I can't help it. I've got to use her every time fascination comes around. Like, it so gives you that sort of like, oh, I've got, I, I, she beckons me, <laughs> you know? The fucking, just the one part, the fascination. Sure enough, it's like, yeah! <laughs> I fucking love that so goddamn much. The funky-ass bass and electric guitar. Oh, man. And it's like, it's like really short bits at the top. Like, I don't even know what they're, like, I think they're just called choruses on Genius, but then, like, I was getting confused with right. Because fascination oh, oh. and right kind of just kind of blend together in my head. You're right, it's a similar. Because they sound a little similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it is just kind of like, it almost just sounds like slam poetry of just like people just saying really shit is. and just be like, I don't care what the fuck, just say shit and let the it's music the ride. the emotion of the moment. Yeah, if it yes. feels right, we're saying it, you know? Yeah. A stream of consciousness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I love about right also is the only quote I saw on Genius is a fan submitted uh, annotation that just says, this song is obviously about gay sex. And it's like, well, I don't know if you can say that. Keeping it in the back. Obviously, I don't know. Your interpretation, perhaps. Oh, don't go Jason Aldean on it. No, yeah. Try that shit in a small town, boy. Oh, um, people can have their interpretations, but uh, I feel like saying it's gay sex, like, that's too far. <laughs> it's like, now, I know Bowie was queer, and do I wish he was more explicit in what, what his songs were about? Yes. Um, so I don't think it's unfair to make that assumption, but I did think mm. it was very funny that they said, obviously, when he was the only person saying it. Like, nobody else had this interpretation, but this guy's like, come on, like, guys, wake the fuck up! It's, like, it's about you gay know, sex. Who's heard the song the whole, like, who has always had that as their headcanon the whole time, and is just finally speaking up, was like, I mean, come on, we all just already knew that, right? Like, <laughs> I don't know what we haven't been saying it this whole time, it's just been an unspoken truth, right? <laughs> but, okay, so, the first four tracks, man, we are slamming, we are hitting hard, this is the one I like the most right, yeah, where where the bits mm. cross over each other, and how, like, the, the melody's like, like, they just hit over each other right in the pocket in the perfect mm. places then we mm. get track number five hmm. which is fine yeah but like the religious song it just doesn't quite hit as hard like i just don't get that feeling from bowie that he's you know a man looking for you know looking for fishing for religion and what's weird <laughs> about it is i don't get it on this song but didn't he do another song on one of the previous albums that was actually a cover that actually had that sort of like oh man looking for that old time religion oh, yeah and it actually fucking slammed so it really threw me off i was like 
huh, this one isn't doing it for me. You know, what's funny, even despite the title, Somebody Up There Likes Me, I didn't even really pick up on this being a religious song. Like, it didn't hit me like that. No, and, and honestly, when he, uh, I looked up some of the, the background, and I found this a little funny. He says, um, he says, uh, uh, they said, somebody up there likes me. Seems like Bowie's recalibration, taking the image of a futurist Superman, uh, and then in parentheses, which had become a bit shop worn by Diamond Dogs. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and I would say. <laughs> and it was like, I love that. I love how David Bowie's like so ahead. He's just like, I'm using this just enough. We're like, all right, all right, now stop, now stop. Right. No more spaceship, no more spaceship. <laughs> I pushed it a little too much. Yo, fucking heard that Superman shit, unlike. The man who sold the world, and we're like four <laughs> albums later, and we're like, all right, with the Superman shit. <laughs> but yeah, he says, reincarnating as a media figure, a TV personality, a handsome politician kissing babies and women, existing purely as an image capturing the hearts of millions. He's common, yet he's also a star-chosen celebrity messiah. And again, I didn't get that from this track either. Yeah... So I was like, huh, I'm, you know, you're, and, and now this is, it's interesting because I feel like this is the track where there was the most integration of the gospel choir, where I felt like they were doing yeah. like a whole bunch of shit and I wanted to appreciate it because it really felt like he was letting them like get up on the mic and actually like have full parts. And so I thought that was cool, but unfortunately it just didn't come together. Like I just didn't feel the soul of this track. Ironically enough on the one song that's supposed to be the most about soul, it just, <laughs> yeah. I, I just didn't feel like his heart was in, you know what I'm saying? Really doing it. It felt like it was like, it, this felt like the most like the, oh, you know, soul R&B stuff. This is an interesting curiosity that I'm kind of, you know, trying to mix it up with. But he didn't really tap into it in the way that I feel like he did in the, the previous four tracks. Mm -hmm. um, then we got to we got to stop for a second. And, oh, no. And talk about this moment, because I. I, I believe, you know. You as you, you good folks as listeners of this podcast have 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 been along with me for this journey where I've talked about how David Bowie is totally better than the Beatles. Right. You know, uh huh. And how, you know, David Bowie's discography, you know what I'm saying? Consistently, as far as I've seen, has been standing up against the so-called legends that have come before him. Right. You know what I'm saying? So with a heavy heart, I come to you guys. When I saw this track across the universe, mm. oh snap, here's one of the Beatles tracks that I actually really like and I think that they actually did it right. Oh, I can't wait to hear David Bowie, the fucking spaceman, shoot us into the fucking uh, next level galaxy with this shit. And, uh, uh, like, it's okay, but doesn't it feel like it's like, it feels a little too uh, junk takey. It feels like, 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 oh, is this the official version? Are you sure this isn't like a live version and we've got like the, uh, the official version that you did? Like, it just sounds slightly too unwieldy in his delivery where it feels like he's just overdoing it in a way where it's like, oh, I know you're David Bowie. And it's like, oh, here's David Bowie doing the cover. But it feels a little too big and haughty. Like, uh, you hmm. know, it's like, a, images of broken lights unfolding. And it's just like, it's too big. Dial it back, dial it back. And the weirdest thing when he gets to the hook, the part where you go, he's supposed to be boom, 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 bo
say Huh? Bowie? Bowie, where are you? Why are you not singing yeah, that part? That. What happened? What? Why Why would you not sing that part? Was that for the audience to sing, I guess? Then why did you have like the choir? Why did you have the black uh, choir in the background do it? Because that's fucking satisfying. You specifically took that part away? What are you doing? Because it pulls it away some of but he pulls away some of the power. Like, if there had been something as powerful that happened in place of that moment or around that moment, that would have been cool. Yeah. But it just fo so feels like the gas was let off for a second. It was just like, huh? Like, well, already it feels like you don't have a good command of how the first verse happened. And then you took away the part that was really cool, the big, you know, everybody sing along, you know, sweet Caroline, ba 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 moment. And then it was like, what's happening? What are you doing? I thought Bowie's personal swagger on this song really set it apart and kind of made it his own um i don't know if it's better than the original i think i'd put it next to it the way i feel like elton john out psychedelics the original of uh lucy in the sky with diamonds that's what i thought david bowie was gonna do with this but it felt like he just kind of had a jam band and they just kind of started in with the track and he was just like oh, i guess we're officially doing this one and he kind of like eventually gets it acclimated into his voice but it feels like it kind of starts off a little funky you know like i was a little surprised i mean i i've heard the song before but i'd forgotten that he doesn't do the chanting in it and instead you just hear like the like a guitar just kind of comes in. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, I wish there was something there. It is Lennon on guitar, though. Oh, wow. So, you get that. And I did really like how it just kind of devolves into a jam at the end, where it's nothing, nothing. And yeah. they're just like going back and forth. I thought that was powerful as hell. That I really cool. like this one, but I get it. And... Yeah. Uh, <sighs> Can you hear me? I think that one, I didn't dig that one as much either. It, it was just I, kind of middle of the road. I, I like yeah. it a lot, but it's not as strong of a fine. cut. Yeah, it was certainly fine. Because again, David Bowie, it's going to be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, we're, this is David Bowie, so we're talking, a, we're, we're talking another level. It's like, we already know this is competent music. We knew that. But we're talking, like, given that, now what are you really giving us? You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> So so I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Davey. I gotta I gotta give it to you. You know what I'm saying? You, because you've earned it. You've earned being scrutinized to this level where it's like, if I don't feel like it's hitting on all cylinders, I got to say to Nano, my brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then yeah, we okay. close out on Famous Is amazing. Now here's my thing. 
The only thing I'll say is, maybe, maybe I've been tainted by the fact that the Fame 90 remix, look, they had more technology by that time and they were able to make it smack even harder. Mm. So I hear this version and I can't help but feel like it's just the slightest step down, just the slightest step down. There's something about how they jagged it up a little bit more Mm. that makes it feel just right. And with this, it feels slightly too smooth like there's something about this that feels like no this needs to be jagged it needs to be about how you know uh, this guy who's like you know what I'm saying reeling from the fame and being tossed this way and that you know what I mean like this is too smooth for him you know Uh, look, but I do like, like, so it's the thing is like, there's stuff that changes in the Fame 90 remix that isn't in this version, where it's like, like the little, like that's in there. Although there is the stuff, the, the Fame, 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 that's in both versions. I wasn't expecting that. It's like falling down a well. Yeah, that sound, that, that specifically, yeah, what's her name? What's her name? That sounds like a remix part, but no, that was apparently the original. But uh, the little, the little, I think that's the only thing that's specifically not in the remix. Mm. And that's the part that while I like it, it's just, it feels like, it feels like the thing that someone else is going to sample in a rap song later, but it doesn't quite fit here. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. But, uh, but I can't act like it's still not a solid fucking tune. So overall, uh, what, what, what are your thoughts? What would you rate it? Four and a half. I uh, I gotta give it that four. Okay. That's yeah, fine. And, you know, it, it, like, it sucks having to see that rating because it was like, the first four tracks on this album, absolutely phenomenal. Mm. And then, of course, fame fucking rounds it out. But then I had that moment where I was like, oh no, yes, I'm, and across, and can like, and because the album's only eight tracks, it's like, that's, you know, over half of the second half of the album. You know what I mean? Like, mm. so it just pulls me down just that much. So it's like, it's what I was like, like, I'm sad to say, even though, you know, uh, uh, David Bowie still wins the belt, still wins the championship, but I, I'm seeing one or two chinks in the armor, which is like, oh, how many times is he going to be able to win it, though? Like, you know, uh, I mean, it is going to get interesting I'm, from here because now we're into drug era <laughs> Bowie where it gets a little yeah. more experimental. Oh, I'm seeing the champ get tired and maybe like, is he, is he bleeding from his nose a little bit? <laughs> See, we've, we've gone down this road before though, because you were not being on a big on Aladdin saying though, either. <laughs> That's true. And then he came like, back with diamond dogs. So, so who knows when the man might get a second win the unpredictable David Bowie. <laughs> as soon as you think you have him on the ropes. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> he maneuvers through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I remember the Latin say, I think it was like three out of the eight tracks I liked. So this was like an inversion wow. where it's like five out of the uh, eight tracks I like, but only three I don't. So it's like a, yeah, but it's just enough to make me feel like, oh no, you're supposed to be untouchable though. No, I don't want to see you. Fit. I don't want to see you have the moment where like, oh shit. Oh, did he get him in his Achilles? Oh no. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see where it goes you get from surprised. here. So you're like, like you have that moment. Where you're like, he's supposed to be the untouchable diamond dog. Yeah. He's, I thought he was Superman. Uh. Is he? Is he? Does he bleed like every other man? Oh, I thought it was the Star Man. I thought it was the Ubermensch. Now, no. Well, luckily, 
Um, spoiler alert, but Dr. Goatman has definitely come through with more Bowie requests, so we've got more to look forward to down the line. I think three are in the queue right now, so we're eating good, is all I'm saying. The, the, the Bowie fans are eating good, and uh, we have got the requests open, so if there is an album that you would like to hear us talk about, maybe not the next three Bowie albums, because those are already spoken for. You can head on over to our Kofi that is ko-fi.com slash going off. That's G-O-I-N-O-F-F. And you can request an album to be reviewed on a future episode of the show. Uh, one slight detail that's changed since the last episode is that the uh, the Fanhouse riff comes. Uh, leave it alone. Uh, unsubscribe, actually. If you already are subscribed, leave it. Uh, the platform's dying. Instead, uh, Patreon is the way to go, folks. Um, <laughs> fan house is under new management and it sucks it's not good oh, no. so i've removed all the material all of the content off the fan house page so Shit, the, the 12 people that are still subscribed I, I think you might not be able to unsubscribe until like your thing is like run out like it's expired i understand that um but don't renew at the very least i guess that that's my ask don't renew and if you want to request to something or if you want to subscribe to something Head on over to patreon.com slash muse. That is where it's happening. That's where the weekly rope break episodes are. I've been doing photo shoot sets on there. Bunch of fucking photos. So you can check all of those out. A bunch of exclusive shit. Uh, yeah, Patreon's the way to go. You can subscribe for $1. And just the basic level. You can do $3 and then you get the photos. Or you can subscribe for 5 and you get the photos and the exclusive video content as well. As for everything else, it's down there in the link trees, our Twitters, our YouTubes, uh, the Kofi, and uh, all of the other great stuff that RC's got going on. That's right, patreon.com slash rapcritic. If you want to uh, get privy to the exclusive uh, review new podcast episodes and Rap Critic episodes, as well as next month, we're going to be uh, taking the month off from Rap Critic, but we're going to be doing exclusive uh, Twitch streams where uh, we'll be doing Patreon streams um, um, with like playing video games, like the freestyle video game we played last time. We're going to have uh, movie and music nights. So we're going to be kicking it all August. It's going to be uh, RC's vacation time. Still going to be giving you review new podcasts and maybe a, you know, a new song or two. You know what I'm saying? That new friend request that uh, people seem to really enjoy that. So, mm. uh, you know, we're, we're still kicking it with some new tunes, to, new tunes for your brain. Um, but yeah, get what it act like you want to. And then, of course, Kofi.com slash rap critic for live stream requests. If you want to do absolute uh, best ofs of certain artists or if you want to do uh, just album listens where we'll listen to the albums live or just song requests where we'll play a, a song that you request at the end of the stream uh, for whatever we happen to be doing that week. So, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Get what it act like you want it. That's the way you could support your boy. And until next time. Oh boy, we're at the end now, right? Yep, that's it. <laughs> okay. Take it home. Yeah, get out of here. Until next time, I'm the Rap Critic. I'm Muse. And w rear window rednecks and virile garbage men. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's right. The Valley of the Ultra Vixens. <laughs> the Going Off Podcast is real. It's real. <laughs> And because we're the heavy, heavyweight podcast champions of the world. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs>